So this week we're starting a series called Back to Basics. Why Back to Basics? Well, let me be honest with you. I think that a lot of times we as believers don't have an understanding of the word because we've overcomplicated the word. The word of God is not very complicated. The word of God is meant for you to have understanding. The more you dig in the word, the more you understand. But th for some reason, theology has become so immersed in, in depth that most believers don't even understand what they're reading anymore. In fact, most of us pull out scriptures to fit moments rather than pull out scriptures to help us live for a lifetime. We pull out scriptures when we need something because we want God to move in certain areas. And maybe if we quote the scripture right, God will move. No, no, no. Here's the truth of it. If the word of God dwells on the inside of you, if the word of God lives in your heart, you don't have to pull out scripture for moments. You are a walking, talking scripture. And so God started dealing with me and said, we need to go back to basics. There was this song back in the probably 90s by a group called For Him called The Basics of Life. It says, we need to get back to the basics of life, a heart that is pure and a love that is fine, a faith that is fervently grounded in Christ, a love that endures for all times. We need to get back to the basics of life. And if you listen to the verses, it'll mess you up because it almost was prophetic to what we were getting ready to walk into. Like the newest rage is to reason it out rather than seeking it out. The newest rage is to, is to give up to everyone else's opinions rather than to God's commandments. And so I want to, over the next few weeks, I want to take simple scriptures that you might have heard, that you might have read, that you might have seen on a wall somewhere. But I want to help you get understanding in that scripture so that you can begin to live in the fullness of the word. I don't want you to live in the fullness of my preaching. I don't want you to live in the fullness of the worship moment. I want you to live according to the word of God. Because if you can live according to the word, you will reap every benefit out of that book. And I promise you there are over 350 blessings that are just waiting on you. All we have to do is start living it. Amen? The book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. The book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says this. Have you not known... Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Now, you know I could stop right there and preach a whole message. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29. He gives power to who? Hello. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But... I love it when the word says but. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can we pray real quick before we jump into this scripture this morning? Father, I thank you for everyone in this room that will go from hearers to doers. For you have declared over us that we are not to only be hearers, but to become doers. Father, I pray as we dig this scripture out this morning, we will carry it all week long and become doers of your word. Not wavering to the world, not waving to a, wavering to opinion, but standing firm on the rock and declaring the kingdom of God. Father, let your word become real in us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's go back into Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. 
it says this. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Now watch this. You ready? It says here, all of the scriptures, leave that verse up there for me, Rebecca. It says the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. Can I ask you just a poll question real quick? Do you ever feel like sometimes God faints or gets weary? So y'all not going to wave at me right now. Like, I, ain't saying, I ain't getting struck down in church. <laughs> but I will guarantee to you by the words that are confessed out of some people's mouths that you believe that. Because let me help you with something. We talk a completely different game outside of the church. Come on, work with me for a second. We say things that are contrary to the word of God. We say things as if God has failed us or God has not done what we expected him to do. And it says, it says, have you not known, have you not heard? Why does he start with that? Because the truth be told is that we don't search for wisdom and we really don't listen. We're the epitome of what we hate when our kids do it to us. We are all children of God, yet we treat God the same way our own children treat us. It's like I have a four-year-old, a five-year-old right now, that I'll say, hey, love, don't do this. And then she does it. No, 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 she looks at you in the face. Love, don't go in there. <laughs> Little girl. I'm not God, I'm your daddy. I'll lay holy hands, amen. Okay. Here's the truth of it. We, we have heard. We know the truth, amen? You're here. I hope to God you know the truth. You've heard, amen? I hope to God you listen while I preach and don't sleep. Or check your phone. Or play on Facebook. Or text your neighbor and find out what you're eating for lunch. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing because that's what y'all do. Amen. Okay. Um, so so I, I, I hope that you're listening. But the truth be told is, is that hearing the gospel is nothing until it's applied. Oh, you don't believe? Okay. I can sit here and tell you all day that God loves you. But if you go home and tell everybody no one loves you, then you don't believe God loves you. So I can say it all day. I can stand here and quote John 3, saying, for God so loved the world. Am I part of the world? I don't know if I'm part of the world. Does God really love me? I don't know if God loves me. You just heard me, but you didn't hear me because you didn't apply it to your existence. You just heard a good word, but you didn't believe a good word. And this is the problem with us as believers today in this scripture because everybody wants to quote the, they shall run and not grow weary, they shall walk and not faint. Yes, God's going to give me strength. But he says at the beginning of this, have you not known and have you not heard? which I could probably dump to the place that the only reason we're weary is because we don't know and we don't listen. Because we haven't heard what God said yet, we're still waiting for God to do what we'll hope he'd do rather than know what he'll do because his word says it. Have you not known? Have you not heard? How many more services can we sit in and listen to? How many more sermons can we hear preached? How many more worship songs do we need to hear to get you in the presence of God before you finally just say, you know what, I'm going to give up and stay in it? Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends in the earth, uh, of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary? He doesn't quit. God doesn't quit. God never quits. It's not him who quits, it's us who quits. It's us who give up. It's us who bow out. It's us who choose other things. It's us who don't stay on the good fight of faith. It's us who don't stay consistent. It's us who don't continue to love even when we don't want to. It's us. See, here's the truth of it. God's already done enough. I say this all the time. If God never does anything else for you in your life, would you still serve him? 
If God never blesses you, if God never gives you favor on the job, if not, God never gives you increase, if God never takes care of you, another day in your life will you still serve him? And what's amazing to me is how many people go, well, as if salvation and the cross wasn't enough. See, nothing I can tell you about God is bigger than the cross. Nothing I can tell you about Jesus and what he'll do in your life is bigger than the cross. It all comes back to the cross. It all comes back to eternity. It all comes back to salvation. I know it's not the popular gospel in the local church today because everybody wants to talk about blessings and filling pockets. But the truth is I'd rather my heart be filled than my back pocket be filled. I'd rather wake up in peace rather than in, in turmoil because i got to go out and produce because i got to keep filling the pocket. But finally understand that he fills my heart and out of my heart being full, everything else is full. See, this is the whole thought process. We've got to change our thinking, getting back to the place that we do know the word. We do understand the word. And we don't just hear it, but we go from hearing to doing, from hearing to doing, from hearing to doing, because that's what God's called us to do. Maybe the reason we get weary is because we stop doing and we just depend on hearing. Have you not known have you not heard? Listen, the prophet is in this part of Scripture talking about the people who were captives in Babylon. They had heard about God and knew of his power. Isaiah was reminding him, sometimes we need to be reminded. Sometimes we've got to be told again. Sometimes people go, Pastor, you've already told that story. But sometimes you've got to hear it over and over for it to get through you. Sometimes we haven't heard it enough. Sometimes we haven't declared it enough. This is the problem. It's like when I say hell in church, people look at me like I'm crazy. Like somehow magically it stopped being a real place. Every believer wants to believe in heaven, but no believer wants to believe in hell. The Bible says the wages of sin is, which is separation from God, which is. But we don't want to talk that anymore because we don't want to have an understanding of the word. We want to put the Bible into the confines of our own comfortable spaces rather than walking in the fullness of it. Listen, when we truly know, when we truly understand when we truly have heard, it changes everything about us. You can't walk out of church going, my body hurts. You walk out of church going, look, I might not feel right, but God's going to heal me. I, I walk out of church. You know what? My, my, my marriage might not be whole, but you know what? I'm going to let God do a work in me because he said if I'd let him have me, he'd get everything else in my life. So I'm going to let him have me. You know what? My kids might be saved. You know what? I'm going to stop being a roadblock to God, complaining to God that my kids aren't saved. And I'm going to get out the way and let him save him the way they saved me. See, this is that understanding. I'm not stressed out. Pastor, what is this, what do they call it, the, the Connor virus or the Conora virus or the Shaka Khan virus or whatever you want to call it? People are laying in their bed going, we're all going to die. Uh-uh, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that I'm more than a conqueror. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Baby, that's the word I hold on to. But how can I hold on to that? Because I know it, I understand it, and I hear it, and then I say it. What are we going to do, Pastor? Suck it up, buttercup. You're not going to die. And if you die, guess what? Heaven's better, baby. See, here's the thing. Death doesn't even phase my existence anymore. Because he took away the sting of death. So when you say, Pastor, you can die, so what? To be absent from this body is to be present with God. I get to see and behold and gaze upon his beauty. Are you kidding me? Man, I'll miss my kids. But hold on, I'll be there when they come. Because the truth be told is I'm holding on to him more than I'm holding on to anything else. 
Have you not known? Have you not heard? Stop waiting for the message to come. Today is the day. Stop waiting for next week to be the message you've been waiting on. Every message is from God. If it's out of this book, it's for you. I don't care if you've heard it ten times. The everlasting God. This should just pump you up. The everlasting God. The everlasting God. The Lord. The creator of the ends of the earth. Doesn't faint or get weary. That should pump you up. Because you now understand, he's got me. But he goes on in the end of verse 28 and end of verse 30. He says, his understanding is unsearchable. In other words, you ever wonder if God understands where you're at? He knows. I know you sometimes feel like he doesn't. God, do you really know what I'm going through? Yep, I do. And I'm hoping you'll go from whining and whimpering about your condition to declaring my faithfulness unto all generations. I'm hoping that through this moment, you'll finally realize how big of a God I am in your existence. I'm just waiting for you to cling to me rather than your neighbor next door or rather than your mama or rather than Facebook or rather than Instagram. So you can tell the whole world about your pity parties and just grab a hold of me and let me walk you through it. And when your neighbors start to see me walking you through it, they go, what happened? You go, man, God did this. See, I don't know if you realize this. Your whole life, your whole existence is created so that God can expand the kingdom. It is not created for you to have fancy cars, fancy houses, fancy marriages, Botox, nip, tuck, sucks, and plucks. <laughs> but I got to look good. I got to feel better about me. Look in the mirror and ask God who he created. I, I know. I look, I get it. I am not the epitome of the chiseled guy. I'm good with it, though, because when I look up in the mirror and I look at that guy in the mirror that looks back at me, I go, that dude could be dead. That guy could be in jail. That guy could be single. That guy could still be living out of his car. That guy could be broken, but God still had a plan for my life. And then he sent a fine woman into my life to make my wife, then gave me four really cool kids. And trust me, this didn't get that. That got me that. Woo! God's a good God. She goes, baby, you can't give. Yes, I can. God gets credit for all of it. His understanding is unsearchable. There's nothing you go through that he doesn't know. Stop treating him as if he's gone deaf and silent to your situation. He's just tired of your whining in the middle of it. He's waiting because when praise erupts in the middle of your problems, he shows up. Yeah, they got it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why, why did it take 30 years for Jesus to get to blind Bartimaeus? That blind Bartimaeus kept sitting outside every day knowing that Jesus was coming. And when the disciples showed up and they told blind Bartimaeus to be quiet, he said, are you crazy? Jesus is here. I would be ignorant to be quiet in this moment. So let me shout a little bit louder so that all of you understand what's on the inside of me. I've been waiting. See, Jesus knew. He just happened to walk that way? Uh-uh. Jesus was already on his way. But the 30 years that that man went through being blind increased his faith. I don't care what blind moment you've got going on right now. It is put there so you can build your faith. But let me give you a promise. Jesus is coming to your situation. goes on in verse 29. It says, he gives power to who? He gives power to who? Me. To who? Me. So put your strength down. Because here's the problem. We try to be strong in the church, 
and then ask God to be strength in us. God says, that's not what I said. I'll give strength to the weak. In other words, the humble. Not the weak in spirit, not the weak in body, but the humble spirit. I will give them strength when they just decide that I am everything. I will become their strength. I will become the thing that they lean on in the middle of the struggle. I will become the rock that they build their house on. Somebody asked me years ago, they said, Pastor, why do you treat God like a crutch? I said, because without him, I got a really ugly limp. I lean on God. I lean on him more than anything. You don't have an answer that's bigger than God. So don't get mad if I don't call you about what, I, what I'm going through. I don't tell you what I'm dealing with. Trust me, you don't have an answer bigger than God's. God's got the plan. He's got the purpose, and I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm not going to waver from it because in the end, he wins. And I'd rather hook my, my trailer up to something that wins in the end rather than hook it up to something that's going to run off a cliff. He gives power to the weak. Whatever you're going through, he'll give you power. Just submit yourself to him. God, I give you me. Not pretty. Oh, that's a sidebar real quick. Stop trying to paint yourself pretty before you get there. All right. Stop trying to make yourself presentable as if God will only receive that which is presentable. He said, come unto me all that are weak and heavy laden, imperfect, going through struggles, dealing with stuff, and I will give you rest. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Man, this is, this is, this is just a cool dude. He's just going to be there for me. This is like getting a trainer and going to the gym. And then all of a sudden, just because you showed up at the gym, like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and that's my kind of gym. Because <laughs> you just walk, there we go, ready to go, let's go. But here's the truth of it. You got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back. You can't, you can't go once and then live your whole life on that one space. That's like people who go to church, get saved one Sunday, and never come back. I've been saved my whole life. No, you went to church, had an emotional encounter with God, and then ran back to the world and started playing the world's game again. Then you call yourself saved. Here's the problem with that statement. Here's the problem with that thought. When you finish this walk on earth and you end up in heaven, you know what's going to get said? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Because truth be told, strength comes out of relationship, doesn't come out of attendance. Just because we go to church doesn't mean we make it to heaven. Does he know you? Do you know him? Do you spend time with him? And I'm not talking about trying to impress him. I'm talking about do you let him speak to you more than you speak to him? Because here's the truth of it. A lot of our relationships with God today are spent more of us telling God what we want rather than listening to what he wants us to do. A pastor said to me years ago, they said, if you pray to God for an hour, you better take an hour to sit there and listen while he talks back. You better give him the same amount of time for him to communicate back to you. But here's what we do. We tend to drop off our, our needs, wants, and desires at his doorstep, knock on the door, and then run, hoping that he'll answer. But when he doesn't answer as quickly, we just assume he's not home. So then we go and manufacture it for our own selves, and then we wonder why it's not the promise we were hoping for. It's because you didn't wait upon the Lord. Watch, I'm going to give it to you. He says, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint. Even the youth shall faint. You go, I'm, I'm old. You're only old if you think you're old. Daggummit. Papa, how old are you? 86. You'd never know it. Doctors tried to tell me I had a stroke. Oh, it's all crazy. He's still sitting in church. Most people just give up and go lay in bed. He's here. You, yeah, okay, I, I'm going to throw one more, and I'm not doing this to call them out, but I'm going to say it anyway. I got people in this room that should by all means be sitting at home right now. 
I got Mr. Les, whose wife has been in a bed since I had my heart surgery. Had a brain injury. He's sitting in service with his daughter this morning. Why? Because he knows God's bigger than him. I got Robert, who's sitting right here this morning. His daddy passed away this week. Mr. Lucian went home to see the Lord this week. He's sitting in service. Why? Because God's bigger than the circumstance. See, this is what I'm trying to say. And sometimes we're looking for that moment. But I can say it to both of you in this moment. If you just hold on to him, he'll give you strength. He'll walk you through this. You're just going to have to hold on just a just little bit longer. I, I believe that with all of my heart. I hold on to that promise. And you say, but pastor, my problem is bigger. No, your problem is not bigger. If, that, if your problem is bigger, then you serve a God who can't handle everything. There is no bigger problem with God. It is just stuff. Let God have it. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. So don't let age become the factor of why you don't do it right. Because even teenagers, even children have struggles. Just a reminder, everyone goes down sometime. You're no different. But this is my part. This is my jam. This is the part that I get pumped about. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, this is where he starts to declare the good stuff, right? He, we went through all these things, and he did the correction. I don't know if you realize this, but every good word from God always has correction before it. God always brings correction before he gives you the meat. Why? Because this is the process to walking in this. But here's the problem. We want to grab a hold of the promise, but we don't want the process. We don't want to do the work. We just want the blessing. I'm telling you this, that if we work with God, if we serve God, if we tend to his word, if we live according to his plans, we get to walk in this. Watch, it says, but. Somebody say, but. And I'm not talking about your butt. But. Some of y'all need a butt in your life. Because you're believing all the other stuff. And God is really good at bringing the butt at the right moment. But. Those. Who wait on the Lord. The Bible says that patience is a virtue. But he said those who wait, not wait. So the problem with most of us is that we carry so much weight, we've forgot how to wait. We've gotten used, we've gotten conditioned, we've gotten cultured to realize that we just have to carry weights. That's the contrary to the word. He said, cast your weights. Cast your burdens cast your struggles before the lord what does that mean to cast that means to throw as far away as you can so that you can't make it your home the problem is is that we do not wait patiently on the lord we wait with pain and struggle on the lord i, I hate to say this to you but god is not the captain of my pity party i do not live in a space where i run to god oh god i just oh, I just, oh god Oh God. Oh God. Can I just be honest with you? I'm so tired of watching people who claim faith one moment and then look like somebody just shot their dog the next. And it's like they one minute they want to pray for me, Pastor, we're gonna believe for you, and then the next minute they're like, I'm gonna die. Please take back everything you said. Because it wasn't truth, it was just it was just a moment, it was emotion. I get it, whatever. Could you imagine if we actually believed what we prayed? But you know what the prerequisite to prayer is? Wait. Because God never says he'd give it to you immediately. He said, but those who wait on the Lord. Not wait for new things, not wait for the next thing, not wait for something better, but wait on the Lord. I talked a few minutes ago about the blessing that I have. 
Anybody ever been, y'all been in those moments when you're younger and you just want companionship. I, I, want, I want somebody to spend my life with. Can I get a hand? Somebody just says, well, I went through that. Some of y'all still going through it. Amen. I had a conversation with somebody just yesterday. I'm just believing. Just hold on. I'll never forget. I was, I was 26 years old. I was in a single bedroom apartment by myself. Came home one night. I remember crawling up on the floor and just crying out to God. And I said, hey, God, if you want me to live single for the rest of my life, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll give you my life. I trust you. It's not what I want. But if that's what you want, I'll say yes. I'll hold on to your promise. I'll hold on to your unfailing hand. I'll, I'll be obedient to your word. I'll wait on you. I end up going to South Padre, Texas to a youth conference. And the gentleman that comes off the stage from preaching, he comes off the stage and he grabs me. And this is a guy that I've met and known, knew for a couple years. And he comes off the stage and he kind of scared me because he was, he was preaching fire. And he came off with... <sighs> Like that, I'm going, oh, God, oh, Lord. And he grabs me by my shirt, and he just sets me up against the wall. I didn't know if we were going to go to fisticuffs, if we was going to break out, like what was about to happen. This is what he said to me. He said, for three years you've prayed. For three years you've given your life to God. For three years you've told God you'll trust him in everything. You've been waiting for God to bring you that person. And God says he's been preparing you, preparing her for you, and she's going to come from the most unlikely place. Man knew nothing of what I did in my bedroom. I come back to Louisiana, become a little bit of a diva. This doesn't happen by itself. So I went to a salon. Amen. Don't judge me. I go to a barber now if it makes you feel better, okay? The people who owned the salon I knew as a kid, so I went to their salon when I moved to Louisiana. I had stayed there. But Julie, she started cutting my hair. This young lady, that, this, this lady who went, attends Jesse Duplantis' church, and, and she said, Brian, give me your number. I said, for what? So ask somebody you want, I want you to meet. I'm like, no, you don't. Because let's be honest, when you're a pastor in the church, you got to find her in the house. Amen. Because no, that, no that, that's how you get in trouble in the world. She's like, I know you need to meet this girl. And I'm like, no, whatever. She's like, give me your number now. I got a little intimidated, so I wrote my number down. There you go. Gave her my number, then Katrina hits. My phone number changed. I don't know about yours. I went to a San Antonio number overnight. Amen. So when I came back to Louisiana, he goes, did she ever call you? I'm like, no. No, I didn't say it like that. I was like, no, she didn't. I said, but it might, not, might have been because my number changed. Really, it wasn't. She never called. Amen. So I gave her my new number. And then one day I'm driving to do the church. I'm, I'm working for a church at the time. We're on our way to set up for that night's service, and I'm driving in the car, and my phone rings from a number I do not know. So what did I do? Didn't answer it. Amen. <laughs> I let it go to voicemail. I'm driving in the car. Voicemail pops up. I pick up the phone. Hi, this is Tiffany. I got your number from Julie. I was just wondering if you want to get. I made the guy that was driving the car stop the car. I almost ran out the car and screamed and shouted because my Jericho wall was falling. Praise the Lord. And then, and, then, and then we went on some dates, and, and I'm not going to tell you all the stories because my wife gets mad at me when I tell all the stories, but, but, but we went on some dates, and then, and then we took a break for a minute, and then we came back together. And here's the funny part is, is that I didn't know what God was doing, but I had to trust God, and when she said she needed a break, I let her walk away. But what kept me in the game was this statement she made to me. 
I just need to pray about it. And I went, I'm good. <laughs> Why? Because I know my God is bigger than my circumstance. And if I just let him have it, if I wait and don't let this become a weight in my existence, then I will walk out on top. And I told her, I said, listen, I really, really like you. But you might not feel the same way. And at the end of the day, my heart is for you to have everything you want. And it might not be me. And I'll be okay. As hard as that was to do. Can I get an amen from somebody? Whew, I was like, no, don't say you're leaving. No, as hard as that was, I had to wait on the Lord. I had to wait on on the Lord. The word wait is not to sit quietly, but to pursue God in the middle of it. Those who continually run after God, even when it's not working in what seems to be your favor, those who wait on the Lord, what does it say shall happen? They shall renew their strength. Most people fall apart because of relationships breaking up. I was strengthened in that moment. I found greater purpose on the inside of me. I realized that if God wanted to do it, he'll do it. But if he doesn't with this one, there is something else. I'm still trusting and holding on to that word I got after that service. God, if you spoke it through somebody, I'm just waiting on it. This one might not be it, and I will not settle until you say yes. But he said, that I shall, they shall renew their strength. Man, I, I, I did all kinds of stuff during that time. I had all kinds of freedom time. I had all kinds of time where God could speak to me. I had all times where God could tell me new things in my life. My strength was renewed. And he says, he says not only will their strength be renewed, but they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Some of y'all are standing at the cliff of your existence hoping that if you spread your wings, you might fly. But the truth be told is that he says they shall mount up with wings as eagles. What does he mean by that? Why, why does he say they'll mount up with wings as eagles? Because he's called you to raise above whatever circumstance you're in. But here is the kicker of an eagle. You ready for this? I thought this was really cool. Do you know an eagle will go to the edge of a cliff and stand there and open up its wings and just stand there? Do you know why? He knows that the winds are coming. An eagle doesn't jump. Although if you watch video of like National Geographic stuff, it'll look like the eagle's clinching and kind of pushing off. He's not. He's just leaning in. And when the wind grabs his wings, he goes, yep, there I go. God says, if you'll wait on me, I'll not only give you strength, but I'll send the winds to carry you through every situation and above every situation. He said, those who wait, some of us are leaping off cliffs too early. <laughs> God, I, I'm a, I hope I can. I hope I, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Jump. I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. Screaming all the way down. Nope, didn't work that time. Just open up your wings and trust him because he's coming. And then when you feel, just go, whoop, there it goes. Wouldn't you rather be able to soar than have to wear yourself out trying to keep yourself above ground? Eagles will fly into spaces. They feel the, the, the warm air currents, and they will find them because the warm air will lift them up, and they can just sit there. You ever seen an eagle do that or a, a big bird do that? They're just kind of sitting in the air. And you're like, they're not even flapping. It's because they found the sweet spot. God is your sweet spot. Can you just find it, please? He said, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and, he, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Stop flying like dead birds and start flying like eagles. 
Here's it gets even better. You ready? They shall run and not be weary. This speaks to the race. He says, listen, not only will you run the race, but you're going to finish the race. You're going to finish it. But those who have to wait on the Lord, this is what happens. Those who choose to wait on God, those who choose to trust God, choose to trust in his purpose, his plan for your life. He says, they shall run and not be weary. Can I say this to you? Weariness is an indelible sign of you not waiting on God. Every time in my existence that I get weary in Brian, it's because I am not leaning on him. He is my strength. We talked about it. He is my strength. He says he never grows weary or nor faints. But the only reason weariness takes over me is because I am not leaning on him. I am leaning on Brian. You aren't going to get very far leaning on me. I'm going to tell you every time, are you leaning on God? Because if you're not, you're going to fall. Because I keep sinning. It's because you're leaning on the world and not on God. But I'm trying. There is no try in this game. There is either do or don't. Trying only leaves an option for failure. Think about it. Every time you said you tried to do something, it's because you didn't complete it. You never said I tried something and succeeded. You said I tried because I didn't do it. I lifted something. I pushed something. I moved something. I did this or did that, and it didn't succeed. Weariness is a sign of not waiting on God because that means you're doing it in your strength and not his. You're not trusting the fullness of him. I don't know about you, but I've had weary moments. Can I get him in? Some of y'all in the room right now, weary. It's okay. But you need to go back to your prayer closet and say, God, I'll wait on you. Because I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired of being weary. Can, can I just say this to you? And, and, and I've, got, I've got fitness people in the room. Am I wrong that recuperation is mandatory? If you don't recuperate, if you don't have wait time, you won't get wait time. If you go to the gym every day and kill yourself and tear the muscles and tear all that stuff up and then come back the next day and keep doing it over, you're going to be injured for life rather than grow. It's amazing how many people will come into church and come to 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 church because they want to keep working and working and working and working and working and working it, but they never take time to rest in it, to wait in it. When you wait on God, when you wait in his word, when you wait in his plan, when you wait in his purpose, baby, you will run the race and never, ever, ever grow weary. Here's the last part of it. He says, and they shall walk and not faint. They shall walk and not faint. Even in the slow moments of your walk, you will endure. You will endure. Listen, I, I know I get up here and preach fast. That's the cup of coffee I drank before I came out here. <laughs> and it's good stuff. But there are moments where everything slows down. It's not always on this level. If this was the case, my wife would tell me to go back to the church because I'd be freaking her out all the time. But truth be told, there are slow down moments in my existence. But God says, even in the slow down moments, you're, never, you're not even going to faint. You're not, you're, you're not only will you not grow weary in the running moments, but in the slow down moments, you're never even going to faint. You're going to just hold on. You're going you're gonna to do this thing. When I was reading this scripture, and I was really trying to, you know, we've pulled out this scripture for years where we've, we've declared this one moment. But those who wait on the Lord, and we really want to hold on to this, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we've gotten really good at declaring that piece of scripture. 
Come on, work with me. There were, I, I was raised in the church, so I, I, we have these church ease, these certain pieces of scripture that you just know and you know to throw out in, in any moment, right? Bam, 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 bam. Because they just, they ingrained them in your head and you just know them. Then I started to realize that I knew them, but I didn't know them. Well, truth be told is I had heard them, but never lived them. And for years, there were times in my life that I said, God, I need your strength. God, God, renew me. God, give me wings like eagles. God, I don't want to run and be weary. I don't want to walk and not faint. God, help me. God, God, please help me. The problem is I wouldn't wait on him. And see, that's what the scripture does is when we get back to the basics of the word, we start to realize that the whole plan was laid out there in front of us, and we can't make excuses for where we are. You can blame the world. You can even blame God if you choose to. I hope you don't. But at the end of the day, the end of this walk, there is a prerequisite to every blessing from God. That he becomes yours and you become his. But then I have to wait on God. I, I got I to say this. I, I really, I got to say this. And I'm not trying to speak to the moment because this person's in the room, but I, I got to say this. As much, look, I came home on on. I guess that was Thursday, and Tiff called me, and she's like, hey, because I had gone to the Barbara family and prayed with the family. And, and I mean, I, I didn't even tell anybody this. When I walked out of the house, I broke down. People are like, you didn't even know him that well. But the moments that I had were amazing. And this is why. Because when he got diagnosed with this stuff, the cancer, he looked at me and goes, I'm not worried. He said, God's got me. Baby. And only the way he could tell me that. And, and, and I probably not even close to how he would have said it to me. But, but I remember going, man, what do I have to be afraid of? If he can look that sucker dead in the eyeball and say, I trust God. Man, I got to step up my hate game here. Because none of you knew that he had, he had buried his son not, what, a year and a half before that? And so I'm looking at this circumstance, and I walked out the house, and I'm, I, you know, you go in there, and you play the pastor role, and you got you to stand strong, and you got to be a man of faith, and you got to declare the word. But, man, I was holding. And I walked out the door. I said goodbye to everybody. I got out to the street, and, man, it just hit me like a friend. I sat in my car for, like, two or three minutes before I even drove off. Why, why are you telling this? Because even in the midst of that, here's what I believe. Watch, you ready? He held on, stayed strong. He didn't grow weary. He waited on the Lord. And I said this on the way in, and I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher because it's just a cute little church thing to say. But I was sitting in my bathroom when I got the phone call that he had passed, and I was brushing my teeth. And no lie, clear as day, I'm standing in the bathroom, and I saw a trombone sitting in heaven waiting on him. And God spoke to me and said, he's home. He's all right. And, and that brought me comfort, but I know that he still has to comfort his family. See what I'm, you see where I'm going here? Like, I, this is, I don't see loss. I see promise. But that's because I'm waiting on God. In the midst of everything, in the midst of my heart scares, in the midst of that moment sitting in the hospital. And look, I, I got rebuked by God that, night, that day I was sitting in the hospital and my heart did something really weird. And I literally, I promised you I thought I was about to die. Call, a nurse comes running in, checking on me because my vital signs went weird real fast. I called my wife. I said, baby, as soon as the kids get home from school, I need all of y'all to come to the hospital. Because at that moment, I thought it was over. 
And it's what God told me. He said, how dare you declare what I'm in control of? I backed off. When I went into surgery, I was cracking jokes the whole time. I was like, now listen. Y'all keep me alive while we're in here, all right? I got things to do. People love jokes to tell, stories to tell. I got a five-year-old that my wife's going to need help with. Amen. You need to get me through this. The next morning, the doctor comes in and goes, hey, just want to let you know you died. Your heart stopped during the surgery, but it's okay. I'm like, how do you smile and tell somebody their heart stopped? He's like, we had it under control. I'm like, no, you didn't if my heart stopped. Okay, but God. But God. So I'll give you, I'll just give you one piece. So yesterday I go to Home Depot. Some of y'all are like, yes, Lord. Okay. <laughs> Went to Home Depot to buy some lights. And, and I walked in. And the doctors had told me that even though the heart surgery was a success, there would be moments that I would get just a, a spark in my heart where my heart would just go real quick. So I'm standing there looking at bulbs. I'm like, Ooh. heart jumps up to 120 beats out of nowhere. I'm like, ooh, I feel that. And immediately, you know what came into my brain? The surgery didn't work. Immediately. Oh, it didn't take. So doubt starts creeping in. Thoughts start creeping in. I had about three aisles down. No lie. Took me a little longer in the store than I expected because I had to walk for a minute. Got three aisles down. And I, I promised you as I'm standing here, I said this out loud. Devil, you're a liar. And I don't know who heard me around. Sure, I freaked a couple people out a little bit. But I wasn't playing games. Because I believe that everything I walked through was for this moment. I'm going to wait on God. Immediately, the heart went right back down. Okay, good. I'm good. Since I'm trying to show you, if I don't show you through my own life, then I'm failing you. Wait on God. And he shall renew your strength. I didn't say sit there in your hands out, oh, God, please can't put it in my hands. Wait on him. Pursue him. Not to fix your problems. Pursue him. And he will fix your problems. We all what I'm saying? Do y'all, y'all catch what I'm saying? Stop pursuing God based on him fixing you. Pursue God because he's worthy. And then watch what he takes care of when you're not even looking. It's time that we get back to the basics of the word. I hope and pray over the next five weeks or six weeks or however long God decides to run this series that you'll grow in the word more than you've ever grown before. That you'll grab a hold of his word and you'll make it the most vital piece of your armor. That is the sword of the spirit. Everybody stand to your feet. My hope and my prayer that is not only you receive this word, but you take this word and you place it in the depths of your heart. And this week you find out how strong you really are in him. Not with every head bowed and not with every eye closed. If you stand in this place, you say, Pastor, I want this, but I need to give my life to him first. Or maybe you've been living your life in a place that's maybe you gave your life to God at one point, but you've taken it back and lived it for yourself. And now you're realizing at this moment, it's time to give it back to him and truly give it back to him. No Indian givers, no take backs. If you stand in this place, say, Pastor, I'm a sinner. 
I've never received Christ, or you say, Pastor, I've fallen back into sin. I want to give my heart back to God completely holy without any reservation. If that's you in this place without any reservation, I want your hand to go up and say, Pastor, that's me. Yep, I knew you were here. This is what it's about. This is why I live my life. I'm plundering hell and expanding, we're expanding the kingdom. You go, Pastor, I, I don't want to raise my hand because it makes me a failure. Uh-uh, uh-uh, this qualifies. Because in your weakness, he now becomes strong. He's more, he's more than just a word on a piece of paper. He is your everything. I started this last week. I'm going to do it again. Come on, keep that hand up for just a moment. If, you, if there's a person with a hand lifted, I don't need you to move out of your chair. But if there's a person right where you're standing, if there's a person with their hand lifted, will you reach over there and just pray for them for a moment? Can we do that? We're a family in this place. I don't need you to come down to the altar. I need them to just be prayed for right where they stand. Come on. Come on, just pray for them right now. And right where you stand, receive what's being prayed right now. We're speaking life, we're speaking healing, we're speaking deliverance, we're speaking freedom. Change is happening right now. God's renewing, God's strengthening. God's changing your circumstance, changing your situation. Healing your mind, healing your heart. Breaking the old, launching you into the new. Now look at me for just a moment. You lifted your hand, look at me for a second. I want to declare something over you in this moment. You are not damaged goods. You are God's favorite. And in this moment, because I sense it, I want to take authority over the thoughts that make you think that you failed. Failing only happens when you breathe your last breath. And as long as you're breathing, you're still in the fight. And he said to fight the good fight of faith. Hang on. He's coming. Hang on. He's moving. Hang on. It's just a matter of time before all things work out for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I need you to understand right now in this moment, God has not been angry at you. He has not been displeased for you, from you. He has been waiting for this moment for you just to say, I'm ready to come home. And I can tell you what the word says. There is a celebration that just popped off in heaven that you caused. But now we have to do it. We have to go from hearing the word to doing the word. 
So when you walk out of this place today, for those whose hands were lifted, you are no longer alone, abandoned, rejected, confused, or doubting. You are now walking in the fullness, the holiness, the righteousness of God. You are now no longer an orphan. The orphan spirit has been broken off of your life, and you now have a family. And if we can be that family, we'd love to be that family. But I need you to know that greater than that, you have a heavenly family that is holding on to you and walking with you. You cannot walk out of this place and say it's just the same. It is only the same if you choose to go back to it. Because when you lifted your hand and those people prayed for you, your life was changed. Believe it. Believe it. And go live it. Amen. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. Let's pray. We send you home. We're going to flip this room real quick for, for, uh, for Welcome Home Sunday. If you want to stay and, and hear the mission and vision, that's great. If you want to stay just because you want lunch, go home. <laughs> Ain't got that much food. Come on now. But no, if you want to stay, we would love to have you. We want to share this with you. God's got great things for you. Oh, I feel, do you feel that? I hope you, I hope you feel as pumped up as I feel right now. I jump, but I don't want to fall. Amen. People are like, ah, it's on Facebook. Can I say this to you real quick as you hold those hands and as you start to sweat? Amen. My wife and I and our team love you. I don't think I can express that enough. We love you. I hope somebody in here needed to hear that today. We love you. And you go, Pastor, you don't know me. I don't need to know you to love you. God said love him and love people. That's what we're about. And we love you here at the house. Let's pray.